It is Friday, July 21st. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Commanders officially under new ownership. And day two of the Open is underway. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Dan Snyder makes a lot of money, but it costs him a little too. Aaron Rodgers opens up training camp with the Jets. And day two of the Open Championship is underway. Scott, what is the Vegas lead today? Well, it's not going to be that crystal fella that's on top of the open leaderboard. Don't hate, although, man. Don't hate. Anytime you have a college kid that's winning a major championship or leading a major championship, it's a big story. But second round action is underway at the open as you're listening to this podcast. And if you are listening some portion of the day, uh, tell us what the weather's like in the future. We were going to lead with football because the commander's sale is official. Dan Snyder out. And the group led by Josh Harris in R.J. Bell is with us here this morning on Straight Out of Vegas AM. Good morning, R.J. I got a question, though. As a show that is predicting the future, should we be asking the audience to help us predict about the future? We should be telling them about the future. I only need to know the weather, though. Why? Because meteorologists are always wrong. It's very hard to predict the weather. If they're always wrong, just do the opposite. It's going to be wrong as well. <laughs> it's England. It'll rain. <laughs> Breezy by, and cold. By the way, I think it's uh, kind of sad that you have to bow to political correctness by saying the open. It's the British Open. I've tried it. It's this guy. He's bullying me. He uh, he's a big believer in the Open Championship. It's I, not the British Open. It's the Open Championship. My mama called it the British Open. I'm gonna call it the British Open. No, no. Apparently not. Well, that's what I said at first. <laughs> but then he was like, dude, he's like, dude, I will kick you off this show. Oh, well, there, you it, go, so. there you go. There you go. Got to show respect. Yeah. <laughs> to whom? To the to the golfers at Royal Liverpool. You're the kind of guy who would bow to the King of England. You wouldn't just be like, "Hey, shake, offer your hand for a shake." Is that what you would do? That's what I would do. I'm just. That's Im- why you never have gotten within a thousand yards. Well, first of all, the King of England, I guess, has just been the first yeah, time in like ver- fifty years. I wasn't very impressed. He said the King of England and not the Queen. Well, I was very, I'm very queen. up on current events. Apparently, I don't know what's wrong. Yeah, with a you, lot yeah. of interest in the British. Yeah, I'd bow to Meghan Markle. But they gave up their titles. Uh, anyway, let's talk about the commander. Speaking of giving up titles, no longer the owner of the commanders is Dan Snyder. That sale goes through, voted on by the NFL owners yesterday, introduced by Roger Goodell, was Josh Harris, who is the leader of the group. Magic Johnson involved as well, yep. part of this ownership group of the Washington commanders. R.J., I was listening to the press conference yesterday, and I want to play you a clip, and I want your thoughts on Josh Harris's uh, mentality as it comes to this season, as it relates to this season of Commanders football. Mm-hmm. We haven't really had a lot of access. Uh, when you Before you own uh, an NFL team or pick, pick to own an NFL team, uh, really there's a lot of different uh, rules to staying away. So we've had, I've, met, I've obviously met the football staff. And I've obviously witnessed what they've done from the outside in terms of some of the improvements they brought to the team over the last few years. Um, it's a big, important season. But, uh, you know, day one, we're going to be engaging with them and trying to understand how they tick and what they do. And so uh, for, the, for the first season, right, we're getting here right at training camp. Um, the reality is that uh, a lot of what uh, you do as a, in ownership to affect a team happens prior to this point. And so uh, we're going to be doing a lot of listening and learning and watching and, you know, watching what Ron and his staff do. Okay, so what strikes me there is he is distancing himself from this season's results. Now, that tells me there's probably a little pessimism about the results, because if you thought this was if you were, uh, I don't know, Kansas City is a good if you're Detroit, if you're just buying the Lions. Do you want to distance yourself, or do you want to wrap your arms around what you think is going to happen? Yeah, right? no, I want to be on the sidelines next to Dan Campbell, and I want to be offering him any any assistance he needs to help win a division. Doesn't mean Detroit can't, you know, go three and fourteen. They could, but the better bet is, hey, they're minus one sixty or sure. whatever to win the division. Washington started the betting season post Super Bowl as you know a below average team. 
and they've gone further down. A lot of action on under on the win total. Now, we talked about this on the Dream Preview this week, which is, yeah, the quarterback situation seems unusual in Washington. You have a second-year quarterback that played, what, one game, was Mm -hmm. it? And somehow that wasn't a super impressive game. Nope. And now that's the starting quarterback coming in the next year when he was taken, you know. Fifth round. Fifth round. Fifth round is a a flyer. Fifth round is you might never start a game in the NFL. In fact, I bet odds are fifth round or later, less than half ever start a game. But now they're being given almost, you could say, without a competition. I mean, Brissett is a good backup, right, amongst the highest paid backups. Mm -hmm. But. I don't. I don't even think this is being framed as a quarterback competition. Is nope. It? The, so, why would we do this? My first. Why would a team do this? My first thought was they know more than us. But then AJ had a, a you know on the pod a very insightful thought. Yeah, my thought was sure there's a possibility that Sam Howell is just way better than I can see because I, I'm not at practice. I don't know what they know. You're one of the great. Couch scouts, thank you, thank you. But I think there's also a real possibility that the the ownership and all the cloud that's been over. There's been reason to believe that suboptimal decisions have been being made, suboptimal for the purpose of winning football games. Well, I think that this is their opportunity to see what they have in Sam Howell before they decide if they're going to draft a quarterback next year. And I know that's crazy because you're only giving the guy one year to start. But this, in my opinion, will be an entirely new regime next year. I don't think Ron Rivera is the head coach, and I think that there's going to be a new general manager, new head coach, and their opportunity to draft a quarterback unless Sam Howell shows them that he can be their franchise quarterback. He was drafted in the fifth round. If they loved this kid so much, they could have taken him in the third round. They could have taken him in the fourth round. But they waited until the fifth round. He only played one game last year. If they loved him so much, if they they believed in him so much, maybe he would have played earlier than January 8th against the Cowboys. I think this is all about forcing the team to evaluate him so that they can— Who's forcing them to? I think the, like, Ron Rivera and his staff are forcing themselves to evaluate him. But if their job is on the line, wouldn't you be— you might have a bias, but the bias would be towards winning now. Their job their job is on the line, but the only way their job is safe is if Sam Howell performs. So if they brought in uh, Brissett and he ends up having a year like Geno Smith, that doesn't help him? That does help them. But so I think it looks— they're making, Then they're making a bet on— I think it looks better for them if it's the, level the guy the- that they drafted— Mm-hmm. that turns out to be their franchise quarterback. Because okay. then it's telling new ownership, hey, we know what we're doing here. We drafted this guy. He's our franchise quarterback. We're moving forward with him. So it's a level of difficulty. It'd be too easy to bring in Brissett and have him excel. <laughs> no, I, I see your point. Now, refresh my memory. Rivera, is he the acting GM? So he's the one making the choices on draft choices? I, I kind of think he is, but... I'm not sure about that because otherwise I'm not sure how much the draft even if, uh, you know, him drafting a quarter or him not having drafted effectively. Let's say I'm wrong about that. A quarterback. Um, we can see who has. And again, it's not Mayhew all, was hired. He's been the general manager for a couple of seasons, a couple of seasons. Yeah. Martin okay. Mayhew. All right. So my thought is that this is financial and my first thought would be, okay, the outgoing owner, someone who's a scoundrel, everyone seems to hate. The people <laughs> in Washington are, you know, celebrating like there's a new pope or whatever. I don't know, but I, I you know, again, as a Steelers fan, I haven't been through this kind of you don't know what it's like turmoil. So I, you know, we just have the rock solid Roonies. I mean, you know, with the old man having won the Steelers at a racetrack, I guess I, <laughs> that always was something I appreciated. But maybe it's a situation where they weren't given the proper resources and. Thus, how's the only option? But if Brissett's the highest paid backup, it, maybe it wasn't that. So there's got to be some optimism because other. I kind of get they might want Jimmy G. Let's say they might have wanted Jimmy mm-hmm, G. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy G. cost what twenty five million? I think it was that range. I think it was close to that, and I'll look up the exact yeah. numbers. 
So the idea of Brissett, who's in the seven and a half million range, though the one of the most expensive backups. Yeah, average salary twenty four point two five. So okay. right there. Yeah. So a lot more. Eighteen plus you know, eighteen million more. So if you're saying, all right, you've got enough to get the most expensive backup, you've got last year's fifth round rookie now becoming a second year player, go. Well, they're choosing how over Brissett. And I don't see why that would be other than that's what they believe gives them the best chance to win. Here's a quote from Mayhew uh, back during the NFL draft. Quote, as far as the quarterback position goes, we feel very comfortable with the guys we have. If you think about it, we have a young guy in Sam that coming out at one point was rated very high. We were very fortunate, we believe, to get him where we got. We got Jacoby Brissett coming off in what we believe is one of his better years as a player. It's one of those things that is funny because typically when you get quarterbacks, it is when they are coming off a tough time. We feel good about what we did there as well, and we will see what happens. Now, I agree 100%. Brissett had his best year, if not maybe uh, among his best years, but I think his best year last year. Yep. He was quite good. Browns ran the ball well, had a good O-line, so it was conducive. To good performance, but he performed well. He performed better than Deshaun Watson did. For sure. Yes, for sure. he did. <laughs> now, uh, what I don't get is why no quarterback competition, right? I can see them even think having a bias towards how, hey, if it's a tie, tie goes to the rook yeah. or the second-year guy. Mm -hmm. But why not make it a competition? Maybe they see his makeup and they see that, that having it handed to him might you know, be bad. He can't handle the pressure, which doesn't sound good. So here's what I'll do kind of wrapping up my thoughts on this, because there's two ideas that seem contrary, but they're not. Number one, I believe how is believed to be by Washington's decision makers, the best chance to win. I don't see any reason they would be sabotaging their own results. They believe that with who they have best chance to win. I also believe that they're the probably spending the least money on quarterbacks of any team in the NFL, right? Rookie plus seven and a half million mm -hmm. means like eight million, right? Which team's quarterback and whoever the third stringer is, let's call it nine million. Which team's quarterback room is less than $10 million? None. No. Right? So this is the least amount of money spent on the most important position, which means bad, bad, bad. Down arrow, but I believe they believe Sam Howe to be the best chance amongst those less than ideal chances. Yeah, and I think our, obviously Eric Bieniemy coming in and being the offensive coordinator is going to have probably the most important say in who his quarterback is. And well, apparently not because they're saying it's a done decided. Well, I'm saying maybe Bieniemy is the one who believes that Howell's the guy to run his system. But he wasn't even there the year before. Yeah, and let's be honest, you're saying that you know. Or you feel very strongly the staff's probably gone. Does that include Biennemi? I could see Biennemi. Maybe they give him a shot to be the head coach. So it's bad enough to fire everyone but the guy you keep. I mean, it's a very messy situation. And, and Biennemi must It would certainly be a splash for new ownership to well, name Eric Biennemi the head coach. Let's face it. Firing Ron Rivera is not a good look for anybody who has to do it. Like, yeah. Well, what? Because he had cancer. He's a well-respected guy. How long does that extend? I don't know. I I, I don't have the. But there's going to be people who are like, man, he hadn't done that bad of a job considering you're what he's worried, been given. You're worried about what the British are saying. All <laughs> I'm saying is, whoever makes that decision is going. There's going to be some blowback. If the Commanders start out of the gate and go, let's say the Arizona is their week one game, then it's Denver, Buffalo, Philly, Chicago, Atlanta, New York. Let's say after the the Giants game, they lose to the Giants. And they're one in six to start the year. You fire Ron Rivera. What he had cancer three years ago. <laughs> How could you? And he's a very likable guy. He's got, he's got a lifetime job. Apparently, he's a very likable guy. Um, it kind of makes me think you're right, and that that are there odds, Mackenzie? Are there odds yet on first coach fired? I'll grab those. Yeah, because I actually that's a very interesting idea. Is any kind of bad start, owners already distance themselves from the season. Mm -hmm. You give the, you know, you give the uh, coordinator who, by some accounts, has been passed over unfairly a chance. There's probably some goodwill there. It probably locks you into a second year with him. You know, a, a year after, 
You know, I kind of like if I'm if I'm thinking shifting gears a second here. If I'm long term, uh, Commanders fan, I like that the owner is saying we're going to be uh, listening because one thing Bill Simmons talks about in the NBA and Phoenix did this this year. A new owner comes in. They're usually you know they're billionaires, mostly self-made, and they're used to being the smartest guy in the room. Now they're in an arena that they're not very experienced, but they want to make a big splash. You see some erratic decisions made for the impact, a short term more than strategic long term thinking. A very smart man would come in and say, "I don't know enough to make decisions. I'm especially coming in late this year. I'm going to sit back and listen." And the next offseason, we'll be making some moves. Kind of, I like that generally long term. And he has already said, Josh Harris, that he's going to be involved in, eventually, he's going to be involved with this team. He's going to be, because they asked him, listen, you own you own the Devils, you own the Sixers, like you, you have other investments than the than the commanders. How involved are you going to be? And he said, well, I'm from Washington. Like this, this is my home. I, you know, my mom still lives here. He's like, I, I plan on being involved in the community and being involved in this team. So I think that he eventually wants to be hands-on, but not year one. How long has he owned the Sixers for? Was it all the way back when Hanky got hired? Because... In general, I don't. I'm not sure that's something you put at the top of your resume at this. Point. <laughs> <laughs> that's a <good> point. <laughs> uh, timeline here of the Sixers ownership. Let's see. My my thought is, if I remember, there was hedge fund guys that came in and hired Hanky. 2011, they bought yeah, the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. Maybe, Devils maybe, in 2013. Maybe that optimism I was talking about is unwarranted. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, the New Jersey Devils were good this year, right? He owns them, too. No, I picked to win the Stanley he owns, Cup next he year. He a lot of, lot of things. Still relevant. <laughs> <laughs> would, would, would they make, were they the final eight? Uh, I don't know. Probably something but, like that. Uh, we'll lot, probably about like the Sixers. Uh, like, the, most owners in sports own multiple across, you know, Stan Kroenke's by the most successful. He's yeah. done three, three championships in three sports in three years. The Rooney's stick to football. Yeah, like well, they can't the Ro- afford another team. The Rooney's and the Mar- the Rooney's and the Maras are institutions. Mm-hmm. You know, they they stay. They stay with their one their one thing, and they give it their all. So the Giants have what three Super Bowls? I believe three. Yeah, yeah, yeah Parcells. Yeah. So if you if you double that, you're there. That's good. <laughs> That's, <it. laughs> That's why they brought in the Tishes. Uh, if Giants have four, so I think we needed uh, four. Yeah. Parcells won. There was the the Broncos one, yeah. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. There's okay. the wide right. I'm sorry, AJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, Womp. <laughs> he's used to it. Yeah, the Broncos win. That was Hostetler, right? And when, the two uh, when, yeah, and then the two Eli ones. Yep. I don't. I, I I remember vaguely that Broncos one. I don't remember it. Like exact. I remember Hostetler being. Oh no, that Hostetler was the Bills one. Phil Sims was the Broncos one. Okay, okay. There so was, was one where Sims got hurt and Hostetler played. That was yeah. the Bills game. Yes. Okay. So the, the Bills lost to a backup quarterback? Yeah. Whew. And they lost with 13 seconds left? Yeah. <laughs> Not good. Not I'm glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's stick in New York, and let's talk about the other football team in New York, not the Bills or the Giants, and that's the New York Football Jets. They opened up training camp yesterday, Aaron Rodgers meeting with the media, sounding very optimistic and uh energetic i'll say spectacular i mean that's that's what you want you want uh, you want to be a part of a place that has high expectations and uh, there's a lot of positivity around here which i think is a good thing um, but you know we got to temper expectations early on in camp and and focus on the the little things to get there it's a long season it's a journey there's going to be ups and downs there's going to be peaks and valleys and and i think we just got to build this thing the right way and uh, there's a lot of excitement, though. That is fun. You know, when I was out in Tahoe, just hearing the Jets fans and the response was pretty special. Obviously, with all the positivity comes uh, some, you know, some people looking to knock you down a little bit. There's going to be a lot of that. So we got to deal with that the right way. First question I have is, did the drug use cause some type of lockjaw? Because it feels like he doesn't open. He's like, mom, 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 mom. I mean, is that weird or is that, I mean. At least he doesn't have facelifts like Tom Brady. But well, his beard coloring is so stark, though. Like it's like, I saw him in the off season. It was almost black. Like it went well, from it was yeah. And now so it's gray. Yeah, yeah, he's just I I don't know. Like it, yeah, you feel like you want to use like the blending kind, so you don't just show mm-hmm. up like 
like someone at Thanksgiving looking crazy. Yeah, exactly. old, 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 the, old, the old Walt Frazier commercials. No play for Mr. Gray. That's right. <laughs> but, but it's like he, he's talking as if he's trying to drain all the emotion out of his voice. Like he doesn't want to be there and he's so making it clear that I don't want to be here. So I'm going to talk like this. I. I can't wait till he's off the stage. He doesn't want to be anywhere. He said something interesting, though, that makes you believe that he will not be one and done with the Jets. There's a great feel to this team of guys who are young and super talented on their first contract, many of them. Obviously, Q just got paid, but uh, when you have so many great players and, on rookie deals, it's pretty exciting knowing you can do something, you got a good window. Uh, you know, it's not just a one-year thing where you can be competitive. Well, to me, that's just him trying to tamp down expectations again. Hey, if we don't win it this year, next year, possible, I get another 50. I mean. <laughs> or I'm gone. I, I mean, well, it's a contract. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess his choice is his option to take the 50 mil or not. Listen, here's what I think we need to do with the Jets. I believe there's no team in the NFL that you could make a case both pro and con with equal effectiveness. I think that I could take the pro side or the con side and argue it very effectively. So here's what I suggest. I suggest I do both, <laughs> one and then the other. Now, what I can do if you find this acceptable is I can play music behind the pro one. So when I'm happy, we'll just hear that. Oh, that's good. And then, that's happy music. Yeah. Then this is me being con. Nothing. Dry as I call it in the business. Mm. What do you think? No, that like sounds the, good. No depressing, dark, no, no, ominous tones. No, because then no, I just have a to flip around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's too all much. right. So, <laughs> and we don't want people having to think: Is this, you know, we maybe we'll end the sad one with a little sad piano music. Okay, but you like that idea? One. Yes, I, I'm more interested in your optimistic approach. Wow. Of course you are. Wow! 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 This is a team that you could make a case has the best young defense in the NFL. And if you look at last year, some of the worst quarterback play, I mean, it was worse. Than, let's just say this. If a team went in, Mike White impressed me somewhat when he wasn't hurt, but he had to play. Imagine having a third or backup quarterback, third string quarterback that has to play hurt. You're so bad at quarterback that you've got to play hurt the, the third stringer or the second stringer. That's sad. But that's how bad the quarterback play was. And now you're going to what? Let's say optimistically, a guy that's won the MVP two out of three years. Now, you can also say last year was the down year. So I, we can debate that. And my pessimistic side will discuss that some. But the defense, as good as any in the NFL, and they came on stronger as the season progressed, what would you say about the defense to start with? I mean, do you agree this is an elite D? Absolutely. Well, you have a top five cornerback in the NFL in Sauce Gardner. Maybe a, even some would say top three. Top three, yeah. yeah. You have a top five rusher in Quinn and Williams who just got happy. paid. Happy. Very happy. Uh, you got linebackers coming back healthy in guys like C.J. Mosley and Carl Lawson. I think the Jets can only improve on what they did last year. And if they do that, you're talking about a top five defense in the NFL for sure. I agree. And I think offensively, you've got uh, – well, let, let's just look at the award winners. The rookie of the year offensive. Garrett Wilson. To go along with Alan Lazard coming over from the Packers. He was their number one last year. And McCole Hardman coming over from the Chiefs. That's probably the best wide receiving core the Jets have had in a long time. Not to mention playmaker, uh, running back coming off an injury where he missed, what, half the season? Yeah, more than half the season, yeah. And at the time – was leading the rookie offensive yep. player Bruce of the Hall, year. who will start training camp on the pup list, but doesn't mean anything for week one. Yeah, so yep. I'm, you add it up, this is, um, you could make the case, the one piece that was missing wasn't just they had average quarterback play, they had well below average quarterback play, and that's the only, like, offensive line? Question mark, and mm -hmm. we'll get to that. Other than that, that's the only, you, you can make the case, the only unit on offense or defense for the Jets, offensive line is a, let's say, question mark, maybe average or so. Where's the biggest question other than that? Coaching? 
Yeah, I think it's a question. But I mean, but, Nathaniel Hackett come, comes in as the offensive coordinator. Hey, and, when you have a head coach, when you get a chance for a head coach, you take hey, it. Yeah, uh, but let's see if he can get back to being you know Aaron Rodgers MVP offensive coordinator level. Except he didn't even call plays. And let's segue mm-hmm. to the pessimistic side. Notice no music. None. Just silence. All right, here it is. Hackett sucks. No. <laughs> but let's be candid. He has to be affected by last year. To the point where people can hardly discuss bad coaching without using him as example number one over his head. Then you think, okay, at least he'll get back to what he knows. Call him plays. Except he's only called plays on Madden. He's not, he's never called. I, mean, I don't know if he's ever successfully been a, a high rating. A high school coach, but I mean, he this is a guy that's going to be calling plays for the first time. What he is, by most accounts, is someone to uh, hang out with Aaron Rodgers and smooth things over between him and the head coach last year, who some people would say, and this is interesting, we can talk about two out of three MVPs for Aaron Rodgers. We can also make the point that exactly as his performance improved was when they got the new coach, LaFleur, and lo and behold, right before LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers had two or three years that was average, average. And me and Gottlieb had a long argument, uh, a tenacious one, about at the time, before the first MVP, I was like, Aaron Rodgers, or not the first, but the first of the most recent two, Aaron Rodgers had been average for a couple years, and it was like he couldn't believe it. Well, that changed. But that changed with LaFleur, and now you don't have that. You could make the case, hmm, maybe that was the Shanahan-esque type Svengali that's going to make a now average quarterback elite. I don't think that's fully the case. Oh, wait a minute. Hackett, you're saying with the Jets, seated calling play calling duties to Clint Kubiak in November. So you're saying he was calling plays at a certain point? Yeah, with Denver to start the season all the way through November or to November. Well, then that, I'm not sure that recommends. It. Okay. That's his one worse. experience. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. if he never did it, you could say, who knows? He might be mm-hmm. great. Now he, he did, did it, it and it sucked. But he did it and it sucked. Yeah. Now we know. <laughs> yeah. Now we know. So thank you, though, for the correction. Um, to me, what Rodgers is at this stage without LaFleur and what Hackett is as an offensive coordinator who calls plays is gigantic question marks. And when you're almost 40 or turning 40 this season, I think they're valid questions. And, and that was your main point, AJ, being pessimistic about it. He's like, because we've seen one quarterback ever at, after age 40 be good. He'd be even above average. And that's Tom Brady. And we've always said there's like, he's the exception to this rule if you believe the Jets are going to have success and you believe Aaron Rodgers is the next exception to a rule that's been broken once. I agree with you that the Brady phenomenon has skewed perception because the thought used to be, and imagine a world before, or before Tom Brady got to be in his 40s and we saw Peyton Manning hit this wall, is there isn't, we saw it with Big Ben, though it came off an injury, is inevitably somewhere between 37 and 39. It's not a, a gradual drop-off. It's a wall. And di- didn't you, like, we've talked about why Brady was the exception, why he's been so successful. It feels like, if I don't know if you saw this, it seems like after age 37, his work ethic, which was already great, seems like he was working even harder. Like he's showing up in better shape than ever before when he's 39, 40 years old, whereas Aaron Rodgers is... You know, taking ayahuasca trips and things like that. Things that don't make me think he's focusing in on being the best football player he could possibly be. I mean, the guy's won one Super Bowl. Like, If you really think about it, no one thinks he's going to be better this year than he was in 2012, mm-hmm. 2013, 14, 15, 16. Loser, loser, loser. I mean, this guy can't win. you got to hand it to him. I mean, and, and unfortunately, the Steelers did hand it to Green Bay in that game. <laughs> but, but, but really, you've got to hand it to him. It doesn't feel like a guy that can go through a gauntlet, which is what the AFC is with quality mm-hmm. of quarterbacks, quality, that division, toughest in football. I think he is. I think it's very possible Aaron Rodgers could be the 20th best quarterback in the NFL this year. Jets might be good enough yeah. even then. They're probably good enough to go. Nine and eight. Or even ten and seven. Maybe. Which is why, and, and to be honest, I'm not sure 
Other than the head coach, I think it's a question. Is he top half of the league? I think it's a question. Is he top two-thirds of the league? Salah. But I'm not sure it matters that much. If he's the 24th best coach or if he's the 10th, I'm not sure it's a make or break for the Jets. So to me, I think Aaron Rodgers is the only question. And it's kind of crazy to think you got a guy that's won MVP two of the last three years, and that's your question? Yeah. But as a fan, do you see what questions do you see O line somewhat other than that? That's about it. O line, and I'd like to know what the offense looks like under Nathaniel Hackett. Then how in the heck? And I'm going to shift to my. <laughs> You're happy again. Yeah, I'm going to end on this. Mackenzie, count count down for me where the Jets are um, over under win total wise. I mean, I bet they're like 11th or 12th. Mm-hmm. Is how is this team that only that has literally a two-time MVP last three years? Yes, I'll say it one more time. How can they only have one valid question and that be that MVP, and they not be amongst the best teams right now? They're the uh, what is it ninth? Ninth favorite. Yeah. The ninth most wins, meaning eight other teams are expected to win more games. Well, one of those teams is in their division. Okay, but it doesn't change. But how many of the rest of the top? seven or eight teams in the odds have teams in their own division that are above them. Bengals, Bengals and Ravens are in that, that conversation. Eagles and Cowboys are in that conversation. Okay. That's the two. And then Jets, Bills. Yep. Yeah, but they're at the bottom of that list. Yeah. And, and, and they're only a smidge above, like two-tenths of a win above the Dolphins. If this were Aaron Rodgers coming off his season two years ago, I think the Jets would be like the, the probably the third favorite. favorites. I don't know if they'd be ahead of Patrick Mahomes, but they'd be... Yeah. That's fair. They'd be in the discussion. If if this was last year, if it was what we know about the Jets going into this year, but Aaron Rodgers going into last year, so he's coming off the back. You're younger, or do we just move those last two years? We just move those last two years up. Mm -hmm. So he's coming off back. Jay would still say history says. Yeah, he's coming off back-to-back MVPs. The Jets have the same roster this year, knowing what we saw from them last year. I think AJ's right. The Jets would be top four, top five favorite. Here's the other side of that coin. If Aaron Rodgers was coming off 2021's season, the Jets wouldn't have gotten him for what they got him for. AJ, I don't this, know if he would have been tradable. AJ, this is an exercise. Oh, okay. Well, but 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 in a way, in a way, that makes an interesting point. It only took one non-MVP season to get rid of the guy. It's like, oh, he won another one. Fudge. We have to keep him another year. Oh, he didn't win an MVP. He's gone. Yeah. I mean, how bad of a locker room presence you have to be if they say the first year he doesn't win MVP, he's out of here. Yeah, but it, it was kind of a mass exodus, right? I mean, you had. Well, after he left. Yeah. His buddies left. Yeah. That happens like at the basketball court, too. Like someone leaves <laughs> and the buddies leave. I mean, that yeah. happened. I mean, it just shows you how what kind of a rough shot he ran over Green Bay by having his buddies in there. Right, which I don't think were necessary. They all were overpaid. Regardless, if they were qualified or not, they certainly got paid a premium for yes. being friends of Aaron. Yeah. Which again, he, if he has to buy friends like that, that's kind of sad. <laughs> Randall Cobb, friend for life. Yeah. I mean, he, he would hope so. And uh, Alan, Alan Lazard was a little late to that train because he's still young, but he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna hitch my wagon to this guy." <laughs> but Cobb is saying, first year he doesn't make me an extra ten million. I'm out of here." So, but but my final point would be, this team could go ten and seven. And Aaron Rodgers could be the 24th best quarterback and still go 10 and 7. I agree. Which tells me you got, if I had to play this, I'd go over because I think there is too much pessimism ejected into this over under win total. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think the Jets, if Aaron Rodgers plays like a top 15 quarterback, the Jets are an 11 win football team. I would agree. I'd agree. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness, and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. 
It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. After one round of the Open Championship, a familiar name on top of the leaderboard in Tommy Fleetwood at five under after an opening round 66 and an unfamiliar name tied atop the leaderboard as well, Christo Lamprecht, who is an amateur who's in college, AJ. He plays at Georgia Tech. He's an All-American. He's a giant. He's six foot eight. Uh, should probably play for Georgia Tech's basketball team. Like, it might help out. Team, yeah. But, uh, yeah, can't can't be worse. Uh, and also Argentinian Emilio Gra- uh, Grillo, all at five under. That's your co-leaders. Uh, we'll get to the rest of the leaderboard shortly. But Mac, where where do those three Fleetwood, Grillo, and Lamprick sit in the odds currently? Tommy Fleetwood is your favorite at plus six hundred. Uh, that guy from South America or South, South Africa, Africa. <laughs> he's seventy-five to one. Won't get me to say his name. And our Australian, uh, Argentinian friend, 22 to 1. 22 to 1 on Grillo. So, right. Christo, we're just going to call him Christo. Christo. His first, in, first name Christo is Christo Lamprecht. Yeah, That's Christo. Right. We're just going to call him Christo. Okay. Uh, so, Christo, the, the Count of Monte Cristo, is at 70 to 1. Or is that 75 what to 75 1. 75 to 1. So, he's the leader right now, but no one believes in this guy. No, of course not. He's an amateur. It's the British Open. Uh, I mean, the fact that Tommy Fleetwood, who grew up 30 minutes from the course, yeah. is also on the leaderboard or at the top of the leaderboard, that there's a that reason why sense. he's the favorite. He's good all the time. He All he does is get into top tens. Uh, so for him, it makes sense. Lamprecht, may, this may be a bit of a surprise, but I don't think anyone expects this to hold up. No, probably not. But how much could he possibly fade? I mean, he had an incredible opening round, only two bogeys on the 11th and the 16th. He had four birdies on the back nine, three on the front nine, and finished with a 66. It's an incredible way to play this course, and I don't know what the weather is going to be like here for the second round, but I can't imagine him being that much worse. As long as he is just within a couple of strokes here and hangs around, I think there's a legit chance for him. Mackenzie, do we have odds on Christo for a top 10 finish or a top 5 finish? Yeah, and you're kind of talking me into it. 5 to 1 for top 10, 12 to 1 top 5. Our, five, our pal plus, Christo. Plus 500 to finish top 10? Hey. And he's he's already he's in first place after one day? Is he really going to drop to like 15th? I don't know, is he really going to continue to outplay the best golfers in the world for three more days? Like Probably not. Like he's six, like, six. <laughs> six, eight, actually. But this is one one round of golf. A lot of guys have had one great round of golf, sure, and then gone the way of the dinosaur the rest of the uh, the tournament. So, uh, is Michael Block in it? Where's Michael Block? In? I don't. I don't even think he's in it. No, Christo is the Michael Block. So, uh, like in South Africa, where, where you know how we talked about Michael Block for a show, right? They're talking about Christo <laughs> yes. Lambrecht, except they're doing it upside down. I think, or something like. I don't know and, how and, it works. And, but... and they already did it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. Uh, elsewhere on the leaderboard, tie for twelfth. The other notable names: Jordan Spieth uh, at two under. A pile of notables uh, tied for eighteenth at one under. Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, and Patrick Reed amongst them. Tied thirty-two at even 
Rory McIlroy. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, plus three. He's T89. And ooh, all the way down, T130, Phil Mickelson, plus six. Yeah, no one cares about that anymore. Yeah, not so good. The, the pre-tournament favorite was Scotty Scheffler. McKenzie, what's the odds on Scheffler right now? He's right there. He's plus 650. He's second favorite. Royal McIlroy's third favorite at 950. That's interesting. So, I mean, think, consider that. Those guys are plus 650. And Scheffler's four strokes back. Fleetwood's plus 600, and he's four strokes ahead. So yeah. uh, that's that's why you say it's one round. Eventually, it's all going to even out. We know a lot of these guys are capable of shooting four mm-hmm. good rounds in a row. Christo Lamprecht, we don't know if he can shoot four good rounds in a row. Although, listen, the guy's an All-American. Like It's not like he's some— it, No, he's South African. No, he's an All-American— golfer oh gotcha at georgia tech gotcha. yeah but it's so it's not like he's some <laughs> bum off the street but he's not you know he's a, he's a college golfer not a world-class professional i think tommy fleetwood top 10 minus 165 might be the best bet you know what as much as i love our boy will when we interviewed him on tuesday that was my play i wanted to bet tommy fleetwood top 10 because tommy fleetwood always finishes top 10 and Will said, I'm fading Fleetwood this week. I, I, I don't like his game for this course. So I said, ah, all right, I'm out. And Do, do you want to know what burns me? Is I was thinking about making a first-round leader bet. On and Christo Lamprecht? No. <laughs> the two guys I was thinking of was Patrick Reed because of how much uh, that how much Will talked him up. Patrick Reed, by the way, one under par, had a decent yeah. first round. And Tommy Fleetwood was the other one. But I didn't pull the trigger because I was like, nah, first round, first round leader bets are dumb. I mean, it's a lot of randomness. Yeah. Now. Fleetwood, one of the most popular first round leader bets at BetMGM. Well, but they, could've had, you could have had that. But you don't get the full payout because he, because he split. Exactly. Three gotcha. ways. Yep. AJ, what kind of price did you get on, uh, or you would have gotten on top 10 for Fleetwood? I would have gotten plus 260 on Fleetwood top 10. Now it's minus 165. Minus 165? Now it is, yeah. Oh, I thought you said plus 165. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> you listen to the expert. You can't, can't go wrong. Well, yeah, you never know. I bet he breaks his leg in the uh, <laughs> don't, Friday. No, don't say that. <laughs> well, I, mean that like, like, I didn't think he could walk the course. <laughs> well, if you wanted to bet on the end of round two leader, Tommy Fleetwood is your favorite at plus 330. Emiliano Grillo at plus 650. Christo, 12 to 1 to be leading after the second round. Now, if you want to make a play on him, that's the play to make, right? Like, because a lot of, like I said, a lot of people can play one good day of golf. I bet a lot of people can play two good days in a row. Falls off off on moving day. Playing four is tough. Possibly, but those odds just stink. I mean, he's the leader, so I guess you have an inside track, but uh, I'd rather have Fleetwood at plus 330, more trustworthy. Mac, what was the uh, the pre-tournament odds on our boy uh, Christo Lamprecht to win this tournament? It's funny that you mentioned that. I'm looking at CBS Sports. They do a great pre-tournament odds for all of these, and they list about 100 golfers. And I go down (laughs) to the bottom of the list, and we're looking at 300 to 1 and no Christo. So he was around the 300 to 1, 500 to 1 range, I'm guessing. Uh, could you even? I wonder if you. I guess it, it has to be because you wouldn't be able to bet on him now. I was gonna say I wonder if you couldn't bet on him because he's an amateur. But it's not like he's still. An, I mean, he's still an amateur today. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you can bet on him kind of throws out that. Uh, that probably idea. just off the board. Yeah. Yeah, must be. Uh, his pairing is Louis Oosthuizen and Eust Leuten today. He's so. Got a fellow South African. Oh, yeah. So it's like the Otani effect. He has like someone yeah, to play, talk to. He's, he's got to play with his friends. That's right. That's right. Remember that summer in Cape Town? <laughs> By the way, Scott, uh, Tommy Fleetwood's group, Scotty Scheffler and Adam Scott. Ooh, that, that'll that's push him. That's a pretty strong group. Major League Baseball, yesterday we had a matchup of the top two favorites for the National League Cy Young Award and Zach Gowan against Spencer Strider. And both pitchers were fantastic through the first five innings. Oh, so Zero the, runs allowed so in the first saying five innings. The under that I li- or the over that I liked was just lost then. You were dead after five. Yeah. But you were very alive after seven. Oh uh, hey. Strider allows four runs in the top of the seventh. Gallon allowed one run in the bottom of the sixth, two runs in the bottom of the seventh. Gallon's final line, seven innings, three runs, five strikeouts, two home runs allowed. Strider's final line. Four runs in six innings, 13 strikeouts, and two home runs allowed. Prior to the game, 
Strider was the favorite over Zach Gowan. After the game, it has flip-flopped. Zach Gowan is the favorite at plus 220. Spencer Strider, the second favorite at plus 250. Well, wait, after seven, it's still four to three. That mean, I, I didn't get to uh, over uh, eight and a half. There, well, there's bullpen just... guys that give up runs. Oh, they gave up runs? Yeah, bullpen. What? The Braves scored four in the bottom of the eighth inning. What a call by me. Yeah. What <laughs> a call. call. Good call. You said can't trust those starting pitchers. I can't. I don't. I don't one, trust them. The one and two in the Cy Young. Yeah. Can't. Can't, uh, can't trust them. The, what's your What's your road spill at Zach Gallon? Yeah. Show up on the road, maybe. He did show up. <laughs> he, he did better than Strider, and that warranted the flip in the odds for the Cy Young. The third placed favorite in the Cy Young Award race right now in the National League is Blake Snell at plus four twenty five. Blake Snell came into this start having allowed just four runs over his last 10 starts with 91 strikeouts in 58 innings and a 1.32 ERA in day games this season. This was a day game up in Toronto. Blake Snell, five innings, one run allowed, four strikeouts. He did walk seven, though. And he was the hard luck loser after allowing only one run. Chris Bassett outdueled him. Six innings of zero run baseball. Blue Jays beat the Padres 4 nothing. I still think that Snell at plus 425 holds value because let's add these numbers together now. It's been 11 starts and he's only allowed five runs. Yeah, it's unreal. In 11 starts. But you and mentioned Bassett's home road splits too. He's phenomenal. And, oh boy. Phenomenal. He's awesome today. Can't pitch on the road, but he's incredible at home. So, Cy Young Award race in the National League. Gallon plus 220, Strider plus 250, Blake Snell plus 425. The One of the other favorites to win the National League Cy Young Award, a little further down the odds board, but a guy that's certainly got it, getting a lot of love, is Justin Steele of the Cubs. He is 19-1, to 1, and if you look at the ERA leaders, in Major League Baseball, you will see Justin Steele's name on the top of the list or one of the tops on the list in baseball at 2.96. He's up there with the Kershaws, the McClanahans, the Blake Snells, Framber Valdez. Justin Steele takes the mound this afternoon, Friday afternoon game at Wrigley Field. It's always fun, right? The Cardinals have won six straight games. The hottest team in baseball, not named the Texas Rangers, is the St. Louis Cardinals. Chicago with Justin Steele on the mound, minus 125 favorites this afternoon. I got to be honest. I like the Cardinals. Oh, you're going against him. I'm going. Steele's been great. You think they can't lose? I, they're, they're hot. I got to <laughs> ride the hot hand. And what did I say? All it takes is one little run. Well, it's happening. I'm just going to say this every day. It's happening. Cardinals with six straight wins. There's still 10 games back in the division because Milwaukee just doesn't lose. But odds to win the division now. Cardinals creeping up. What once was 20 to 1 is now 13 to 1. People are believing. Yeah, not me. It's like uh, Ted Lasso. Just believe, right? They're, they're smacking the sign on the way out. Cardinals are believing. And at this point, you got to wonder if the Cardinals will still be sellers at the deadline. I mean, certainly the, these next couple—I guess not even two weeks—these next seven like, or is eight this, days. Is this the pre-trade deadline surge because no one wants to get traded, so everyone's playing really well? I, I mean, I don't know. You'd think they'd been playing with some pride like earlier this yeah. season when everybody was talking about firing their manager and uh, this. It's not like. Trade talk is anything new for this team. It's been going on for over a month yeah. because they've been so dreadful. Uh, the fact that they're doing it now, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's some self-belief in this team, but, man, it, it's still a it's still a long shot is all I'm going to say. Yeah, 8-2 and two in their last 10 games, but the first-place Brewers also 8-2 and two in their that last 10 games. That makes it difficult. Games. That makes it difficult. That does make it difficult. But uh, the, listen, come September – we know the Brewers will have like an eight-game losing streak. That's, that's Brewers baseball, Bubba. Elsewhere, the first-place Orioles. Let that sink in. That sounds weird, the right? The first-place Orioles 
will take on the Rays. Kyle Bradish goes for Baltimore. Zach Eflin for Tampa. Tampa has lost five straight games. That's how you fall out of first place. Man, you talk about not playing with much pride. And Tampa, to me, is a team of hustle and, and like grit. That's, that's what got them where they were early this season. And they had a play yesterday with a one nothing lead. And a ground ball got by the third baseman. A Rosarena picks it up. And it looked like he was playing 7U, like lobbed it <laughs> into the third baseman. Yeah. It bounced twice. Warner took off. He went from, he like, it was going to be a double. He kept going, slid wow. into third safe. I mean, it's just embarrassing stuff. Like, if that wasn't Randy Arozarena, mm-hmm. he's probably on the bench. Like, I mean. It's kind of reminiscent of the Yankees last year, right? You get off to such an incredible start to the season. You have a monster lead. And then you have a bad second half, but you've built up such a lead that you survive and you make the postseason. Yeah. Um, I, I'm—I don't know if it's start time to start worrying about the Rays, but it doesn't look good the way that they're playing right now uh, a, after the All Star break. Rockies are at the Marlins. Braxton Garrett goes for Miami. Rockies undecided right now. Miami's going to be a favorite in that one. Padres are at the Tigers. Seth Lugo goes for San Diego. They're minus 140 in Detroit against Reese Olsen. The Yankees, this is a get-right series. It better and be. It, and it, you're right. If, it better be because if they don't sweep, well, first off, they have to take two of three. But I think they should sweep because they're playing the Kansas City Royals. Otherwise, they're going to have to trade Giancarlo Stanton to the Reds yeah. or something crazy. Clark Schmidt <laughs> gets the start for the Yankees. Alec Marsh goes for the Royals. The Yankees are minus 205. Are you willing to put minus 205 on the New York Yankees to beat the Kansas City Royals? It's such a no. You would have felt real good about that two months ago. Yeah, it doesn't feel real yeah, good right you'd now. Figure this, you'd figure this line should be like 265 oh. or, or 305, not 205. But imagine the Yankees just get like, like mowed down by Jordan Lyles on Sunday. <laughs> oh, you know, Garrett Cole gets roughed up on Saturday by by this Royals lineup. Like it's yeah. man, this is wow. I, I, this is a get right series. They have to have to win this series. Giants are at the Nationals. Alex Wood gets a start for San Francisco. Jake Irvin for D.C. San Francisco's minus 165. Diamondbacks are at the Reds. Cincinnati minus 120 with Ben Lively on the hill. Tommy Henry goes for Arizona. The Mets will send Kota Senga to the mound in Boston. The Red Sox counter with Cutter Crawford. Boston minus 120. Kota Senga, road underdog. Mets just won three of their last four games. Maybe help me understand Kode Singa prop for strikeouts. It's minus 145, so it's not cheap, mm-hmm. but it's five and a half. Gotta go over. These are his last games nine, 12, eight, six, eight, six, three, but he pitched three in two and two thirds innings. Yep. Uh, nine, six, 12, seven, like five and a half. What? This is like now maybe the premier strikeout pitcher in baseball. Five and a half, even at minus 145, feels cheap to me. That sounds like a uh, a bet here on Kode Senga over five and a half strikeouts. I like it, and I like it a lot. Elsewhere in Major League Baseball, we keep going down the schedule here for Friday evening. The Phillies are at the Guardians. Ranger Suarez goes for Philadelphia. Gavin Williams for Cleveland. Phillies minus 125. The Dodgers are at the Rangers. The Rangers who have not lost in the second half of the season. Andrew Haney goes for Texas. Tony Gonsolin for L.A. This is even. uh, Minus 110 both ways, I believe you can find. Uh, The Braves are at the Brewers. Michael Soroka going for Atlanta. Freddie Peralta for Milwaukee. Atlanta's minus 125, but hey, I just told you before, the Brewers have won eight of the last ten. Home dogs here against Atlanta. It's Lance Linday. For the White Sox, Chicago at Minnesota. The Twins will have Joe Ryan on the mound. Minnesota minus 165. Twins just got shut out in Seattle yesterday. Pirates are at the Angels. Johan Oviedo goes for Pittsburgh. Shohei Otani's on the mound for the Angels. L.A. minus 205 with Otani on the mound. You laying it? I think I would. So would I. I I don't expect – I expect Otani to be basically brilliant Mm -hmm. for the rest of the season, no Mm -hmm. matter where he's going to play. Astros are at the A's. Framber Valdez, the favorite for the American League Cy Young Award, is on the mound for Houston. They're minus 267. J.P. Sears goes for Oakland. A uh, closer than comfortable game 
yesterday for the Astros, but they still pulled away with a 3-1 win. Yeah, uh, it's been a grind. J.P. France pitched fantastic again, but yeah, the, the bats have got to wake up at some point. Blue Jays are at the Mariners. You say Kikuchi on the mound for Toronto. Bryce Miller for Seattle Mariners, minus 125. UFC London. Er, by the way, guys, just like the uh, the Open Championship, you got to get up early in the morning to watch these bad boys. Uh, yeah, it's an what time, early what time? start tomorrow. Noon Pacific time, so 3 o'clock on the East Coast. Much earlier start than typical, but you've got – it's listen, compared to last – which, by the way, last week, which was a dreadful card on paper, one mm-hmm. of the worst they've put out all year, ended up being a fantastic card. Great action on that card. This card looks really good on paper, uh, including the return of Tom Aspinall, who is one of the top young contenders, top young prospects – in the UFC heavyweight division. He's taking on Marcin Tybura. Uh, Aspinall, a pretty massive favorite, even though the last time we saw him was about a year ago. He had a main event spot against Curtis Blades uh, in a fight that would have really put him in the title picture. Mm. 15 seconds into the fight, blows out his knee. And That's not good. That was his first and only loss in the UFC. This is his return. He goes against Marcin Tybura, who is, I don't know how to put this. He's probably about as good as he can be considering he's a heavyweight that doesn't really have knockout power mm. and is not a great athlete. Okay. So, and Tom Aspinall is a phenomenal athlete for, athlete for heavyweight. Great knockout power, great submissions. I'll be using, uh, I'll be using Aspinall in parlay pieces. Uh, it, the... The price is a little too high. Minus four seventy five. It's a it's a big number. Uh, maybe consider an inside the distance. I was about prop. to say Aspinall inside the distance. But but then a lot. This is something else that's happened over recent years. The cockroach bookies have gone from most books now. You, if you've got a book that still lets you do inside the distance, great bet. A lot of books see either say by knockout, by submission. Uh, you've got to yeah, choose. You have one. to choose one of them. And honestly, I think it could be either one. Uh, you, you've got a fast starter in Aspinall, though, and I think that he could. Tybora usually has to fight his way out of some muck. I think this is the kind of muck he's not going to be able to fight himself out of. And then in the co-main event, uh, not a great fight from like the standpoint of these are contenders, but it's going to be great for the crowd in the building. Molly McCann, meatball they call her, taking on Yulia Stoyarenko, who is. Uh, dreadful. She's a terrible fighter and it really a one-trick pony. She is an armbar specialist. But the thing that I like about this, and my my play on this fight is going to be under two and a half rounds on Molly McCann and Yulia Stoyarenko. This is, in Stoyarenko, her first fight at 125. She's had to have catchweight fights at 135 because she couldn't make the limit. She weighed in at 139. They had to have a catchweight fight. There was one time she couldn't fight because she fainted on the scale. Mm. Uh, like She's had a hard time making 135. Now, somehow, she's going to make 125 and fight against a girl who is, is not great but is certainly capable of finishing her. You're diminished, depleted after such a massive weight cut. It's real easy to look for a way out. And... If Stoyarenko is able to land an armbar, which is really her only chance, Molly McCann's bad enough of a fighter that I could see it happening. So under two and a half rounds in the co-main event, the way I'm going to be looking. Molly McCann's, uh, she was, I think she signed with Barstool Sports like yeah, last year. Yep. Um, it's her her and Patty. Patty Pemblet. Patty they're, they're, they're like, they're, they're close friends. Is not a coincidence that every fight on the main card features a fighter from England, yeah. England or the United Kingdom? Yeah, well, yeah. So that's uh, that's what they do with these fight, with these cards. Uh, is they piece them together. If they, if they do an overseas card, mm-hmm. they're going to typically feature the guys that they know will pack the building. The yeah. O2 Arena is going to be packed. Because every, again, every fight will feature it's Laron Murphy from England, yep. Jai Herbert from England, Paul, Paul Craig, Craig from the UK, Daniel Wood from the UK, McCann and Aspinall both from the UK. Yeah, so it, especially when they do a non-pay-per-view, mm-hmm. they ha- they want to make sure they pack the building. So when there's no titles on the line or and anything the undercard like that, as well, by the way, uh, every yeah. every fight with the exception of oh, I believe uh, there's a Euro in every fight. If I'm not mistaken, am I wrong? There is a European fighter in every fight, yeah. but the, a couple of the pr- prelims do not feature a fighter from the UK. So there's like. Um, you know, the, the first fight, uh, Brazilian against the Spaniard. Then you have um, Sean Abanion, who's Irish, is, is in the fight. Yep. 
Chris Duncan from Scotland, um, Pani Kianzad from Sweden, um, Muradov from Uzbekistan. And then, yeah, so that's interesting. It's, I think it's a smart idea by Dana White. Obviously, you get the people that want to see these fans and in, 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 uh, with fan, the people that the fans want to see. Yeah, and on paper, again, this is a good card. Uh, so you got what are you doing on noon on a Saturday? Like, What are you going to be doing? Just go watch the fights. Win betting, some money. betting Molly McCann? Well, again, don't get too crazy on Molly McCann. Bet under two and a half rounds. <laughs> okay. That's the way to go. If you want to get AJ's full UFC card, it is available for you at pregame.com as well as a bunch of other daily best bet packages. And you can also take advantage of the incredible discounts that we have available for you. Discounted packages available on pregame.com as well. We are also still running entries. It's not too late. You can get into the Beat Sleepy J Major League Baseball contest. It is free to enter for pregame.com members. So go to pregame.com if you're not a member already, sign up for free. And by signing up as a new member, you get $25. $25 site credit. You can use that. Take you Get AJ's UFC card for free. Uh, get a three-star Major League Baseball daily best bet for free. Take $25 off your subscription package. Whatever you'd like. New members get that free $25. But as a pregame.com member, you have access to our contests. This is a free contest to enter. Go to pregame.com. Click on contests, find the Beat Sleepy J MLB contest. Here's how it works. The contestant who earns the most baseball units from now through the World Series will win $250 cash. But if that winner wins more units than what Sleepy J did last year, 25.53 units, well then by beating Sleepy J, you get an additional $250. So free to enter. Chance to win $500. We love that only at pregame.com. And as a listener of this podcast, we are giving you a coupon to use at pregame if you want to take care of that and get a daily best bet package or a season-long subscription package, maybe an early buy on a football package. Use the promo code MONSOON20, M-O-N-S-O-O-N, MONSOON20. A lot of rain, huh? Monsoon 20. It's going to get you 20% off at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, Mackenzie Rivers, RJ Bell, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.